This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. You're going to start with One Love. One Love. Jesus, how high. <laughs> one heart. <laughs> Let's get together <laughs> and feel all right. I love that you just changed the octave. People music. You know you're a superstar. I am a superstar. You can't separate the music and the message. You see, reggae music comes to unify the people. Not everyone likes what you're saying. For your own safety, you need to stop. Welcome to episode 385 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk... Singing. <laughs> Please, from, no. From indie sings to studio sings and every sing in between. <laughs> how to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to... Royally mess that octave up. In our very, very humble opinion. If you're listening to the for the first time, I'm really sorry. Uh, we are filmmakers and we're here to talk about... Pod Marley. <laughs> Pod Marley. Pod Marley, very good. Uh, we are here um, to talk with director Reynaldo Marcus Green this week. He's the director. If you haven't guessed by now, Bob Marley, One Love, the latest feature film, which is out now, starring Kingsley ben Adir. Oh, yeah. So, Dom sat down with Ronaldo. What are our gorgeous listeners going to learn from this special Friday episode? We talked about the freedom that having a hit with King Richard gave him as a director. We discussed bringing HODs from project to project, shooting nice. in multiple countries, the difficulty of casting Bob Marley himself, big set pieces with crowds, and the positive push-pull collaboration with Paramount. Ooh. That sounds super interesting. I've not listened yet. Toby is editing this week's episode for you, wonderful listeners. So I'm looking forward to listening later. It sounds like it's a really, really interesting episode. I haven't seen the film yet either, and I can't wait. This seems like it's right up my street. What is the film about, Dom? It's about Bob Marley. Excellent. Good. <laughs> Go see it. What more do you need than that? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very, very in-depth look at his life 
from a pivotal moment in Jamaica uh, with turmoil in the government uh, and his own kind of rise to superstardom and then also an exploration in his roots and childhood and also his 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 partnership is a big thing his relationship is a is a really fascinating part which is a story which maybe you haven't heard as much uh, beforehand and it's a, it's a very honest look at, at you know some of his struggles and what he was trying to achieve and it's a, yeah it's a very multifaceted biopic where you go um, it is uh, written uh, by Terence Winter, Frankie Flowers, uh, Zach Balin, and Reynaldo Marcus Green. And it's produced by Didi Gardner, um, Jeremy Kleiner, Sidala Marley, and Rita Marley, as well as um, Ziggy Marley, and exec produced by Brad Pitt. Cinematographer is Robert Elswit. And it was cast by um, Kareem Blake Chin, A.V. Kaufman, and our very own Carmel Cochrane. So, uh, this film not only stars Kingsley Ben-Adir, who you will know from Peaky Blinders, uh, High Fidelity, uh, the OA, but most recently in Barbie as one of the Kens, but also uh, One Night in Miami as Malcolm X, which definitely put him on the map for a lot of people. The movie also stars Lashana Lynch, uh, James Norton, Tossin Cole, and Michael Gandolfini. Yeah, and the movie's out now in cinemas, go and watch it. Um, if you don't know, Ronaldo Marcus Green, as Thomas said, did direct King Richard, which starred Will Smith. He also directed and wrote Monsters and Men. He also directed, produced, and exec produced six episodes of We Own This City TV series, as well as co-exec produced and directed Top Boy in the UK. Well, there we go. It was a really interesting chat because we we went very much into the into the sort of you know, into the studio relationship, which is which is quite interesting, really. Because a lot of people they have very set ideas about what that means. It, maybe it's a you know an over overbearing like massive power that's sort of telling you what to do, and then you've got the sort of indulgent filmmaker. And and the reality is actually you know with with a good studio and a good collaboration, there's there's a lot of you know in this one especially there was some really interesting moments where you know he had to prove himself a little bit as a director, and then you know then he'd get given more leeway, and and it was it was kind of you know it, it's actually being smart with money and it's not giving too much too soon and it's giving that extra bit when you need it and, and when you've kind of shown results and it, it actually seems like a very healthy collaboration. Mm, I think that's very interesting. It's something that a lot of indie filmmakers don't often get the chance to do and you're right, we think it's this big beast mm. and they're there controlling everything, you know, but that's not necessarily always the case. So no. it's always interesting to hear it from people who've been there and done it and what they prefer. And often they prefer being in the weeds and just getting stuff made mm. without the big studio interferences sometimes. So it does depend. But yeah, however you can make your film, you make it, right? And if it's an easy way to raise money or get money for your film through a studio, well, of course you're going to do that because it's yeah. really difficult. And I suppose it's yeah. also how, how you approach the studio and, and, and what you ask for and, and at what point. Um, and I suppose it's a sort of, you know, when you hear stories of like, oh, well, the, the director you know, got, got booted off a project or they didn't get mm. you know, to do their vision. And you think like, yes, you know, how, how were they approaching it? Were they asking for everything on a platter at the start? And this sort of unlimited you know piece of 
piece of string or or you know is it was it a different story so it's it's nice to sort of get another perspective on that uh, question yeah totally agree so all that's coming up for you with dom and ronaldo marcus green thank you so much for listening uh you are amazing thank you for listening to last week's episode if you did uh nikolai arcel talking about the promised land that's still in cinemas do go support and obviously michelle franco memory is out in cinemas now as well dom mm. did that the week before coming up for you on Tuesday is Isa Lopez and talking about True Detective Night Country. Woohoo! Yes, yes, the smash hit TV series with Jodie Foster. Uh, Dom goes deep into TV territory, so that is for you on Tuesday. Right, let's get to it. This is Dom talking with Ronaldo Marcus Green. Microphone. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast, Ronaldo. So, I mean, how are you feeling with the the buzz and the excitement and the release? I feel I feel content, man. Content in my heart. Uh, you know, we put it all out on the field, so to speak, and uh, you know, that's all I can ask for of myself and uh, my cast and crew. I know they gave me everything that they had, so um, I feel very great about that. The family loves the film and. That's who we made it for. So I feel I feel content. Do you do you have a, a process for sort of dealing with the the release and, and all the reviews and and do you do you tend to like what look at everything or do you just I ask to be taken off the brakes and all that stuff. It, yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard because you it's like having a, a child in a lot of ways. And you know I've been living with this for three years and you know and you spend nights and weekends and sleepless nights and all that stuff and you put your body through the ringer and health and all that stuff and um, but it doesn't matter, right? My mom wants to go to the theater and say, is, is it good or is it bad? Like there's no, yeah. there's no, it's not about, you know, for us, it's about the process, but, um, so I'm getting better at just like trying to enjoy the the journey and, uh, but it's hard, it's hard to, 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 to not think about it. Of course you want people to love the film. And so I wink or I, I, I peek, but I, I, I yeah. certainly try yeah, to do. stay out of the fray. I'm not on social media. I don't have yeah. any accounts. I don't even have LinkedIn. So, um, no social media. I'm not on it. I, I won't be looking and, um, hopefully I'll just feel the essence of, uh, the power of the film, Bob's words, his lyrics, his legacy, and, and know that we did something right well that's it because i mean it's 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 a lovely message and it's it's such an important story as well and i think i think that's that's the thing that you know that's that's the reward for going through all the struggle is is knowing that you've made something that's sort of profound and and is out there for sure so so let's let's talk about how this came to you like what was the the first genesis of the the project like how did you hear about it for the first time yeah i remember i was in the edit uh for king richard and i got this script in my inbox from a on a producer I didn't know, Bob Title, and uh, and it was yeah, it was uh, the, the first script was written by Terrence Winter and Frankie Flowers, and uh, even before I opened it, I was like, oh, it's a it's a film about Bob Marley. I don't know if I should even read this until I I I need some answers. I need some clarity, like. Do they have the rights to the music? Is the family involved? And I needed to know those two things. And uh, and sure enough, on my first call, uh, Ziggy Marley was on that call. And I said, oh, it must be, must be real. Uh, that's definitely his son. And mm. um, so, and they had the rights to the music. And so I said, okay, wow. Like I'd heard or read somewhere that, you know, they have been trying to make this movie for over 25 years. I heard, I heard Oliver Stone. I heard Scorsese. I heard, I heard big time names. And I was like, well, if they couldn't make it, like what happened you know, what, what, what was, what got in the way? And, um, 
but it really wasn't up to me to find out it was about up to me to say all right well what, what, can, I what can i do with it and uh and i felt like a gift that kind of fell on my lap a little bit and i th- i knew right away uh you know i read the script and uh, and look it was a good foundation but it wasn't there and uh i, I knew we needed to, to put some put some elbow grease in there so to speak mm. and uh and part of that was bringing on zach balin who had written king richard for me um uh, okay. and yeah. uh and so once i brought zach on i knew that we could help to crack the structure of the film. That was the thing that I was um, honestly most concerned about uh, in, in the beginning stages because we we're never interested in doing it a cradle to grave. But it was like there's so much about Bob's life, you know, what 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 area to choose. And and I think Zach was so brilliant with that, with his script with King Richard. And I thought, yeah, this was a this was the the, the exact thing that I needed to uh, to take this film to the next level. Well, just, just before we move on to the, the structure, because that is a really important thing to, uh, to discuss. Uh, what was that initial conversation with Ziggy? Um, like, what, what did that involve? What, what was he expecting from, you know, the story? What was it, the things that, you know, wanted to be in the film? Like th- Those kind of things? Yeah, it was interesting. You know, Ziggy, you know, he's obviously a musician, a very talented musician in his own right. And, um, you know, so when he was a producer on the film, so he was in part, responsible for you know hiring me as the director of the film uh but he loves movies so he had seen tons of films so it was kind of amazing because he had referenced a short film that i made um this short film uh that i made called stone cars uh in film school and i was like wait you don't want to talk about king richard you want to talk about this short film that i made in south africa and it was kind of incredible because i made that film essentially with no money i mean it was it was no lights um you know kind of documentary style type filming and um and he loved it he loved the short and there was i knew right away we were aligned with the type of movie that i think i was trying to make i i, I was always a little skeptical because it was like i'm not a necessarily a musical biopic person it's not the kind of films that i w- watch per se or ever thought i would make although i did see bohemian rhapsody and i saw elvis and i saw i saw all those movies and they're they're great but that's just not something I thought I would make. And then here Bob comes along and I'm like, whoa, well, there's an opportunity here to do something a little different. I don't have to make your traditional biopic. I can do something, maybe come through the side door, not the front door. Um, there's another way to look at this. So I was thinking about films like City of God and Amoros Peros and mm. Black Orpheus. The drama side, basically. Yeah. 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 And, and how do we pull out the humanity of this film? How, how do we go to the man, not just the, you know, how do we go to the man that's on all the buttons and t-shirts and bags? Beyond the, the myth side of things. Exactly. So that was definitely the the first conversation. So I knew from there that we were we were just we were aligned, and you know there, I think there was this unspoken thing about the language uh, in the film. You know, I was always leaning towards you know like real patchwork in the film. I, I wasn't going to make the cool runnings version of the film as much as I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. I love that film. I really do. Yeah. It was like a staple in my house. That wasn't this. So so yeah. So 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 um structure. Uh, well, because I mean, with a biopic, there's there's so many start points. You've got someone's whole life. There's obviously a lot of ways that things have been done in the past. There's there's so many elements that you could go for the sort of the B story and and that side of things. Like, where did you where did you start, and how did that conversation um, come about, and, and where did it lead from what was in the original sort of script that you first saw? Yeah, I think you know the original script kind of leaned in into a lot a lot more of the uh, the whalers and uh, and to their you know sort of childhood upbringing discovery of music, which is great. I mean, honestly, it's some of the most fun stuff. So you know they did an amazing job it just 
it just didn't our our movie couldn't bear bear it um our film couldn't bear it not given where the a story was starting in, in 1976 and otherwise it would be a f- four or five hour movie and so as much as i i love those elements which we retained a little bit of it um it just it, it wasn't what this movie was about um and it would take another movie or a series to to do that and why not they have the rights forever so yeah. maybe there will be a, a another bob marley movie or, or series yeah. at some point but the way it is. yeah yeah exactly and and this was about bob marley bob marley's message bob marley's legacy uh about the man and and we felt that there was a natural inherent structure starting in 1976 we know what happened to bob the assassination attempt on his life on rita's life on his family the displacement of that having to leave Jamaica and what did Bob do he doubled down and he created Exodus which is the album we all know arguably the greatest album of the 20th century so it just felt like a rich period of musical creation he also created Kaya during that time which we couldn't we didn't we couldn't go into in, in in that way but you know the album that we all know the lyrics that we all know and then his ultimate return to Jamaica for the One Love Peace concert that felt like there was just a natural structure there yeah because I suppose you're going from you're going from you're starting in conflicts so you're hitting the ground running and then you're kind of getting to the resolution by the end of the film that's exactly it and then it was okay well if we're starting there and we're ending there then we know where generally what our music is going to be uh in the film it was sort of writing itself in a lot of ways and then you know we had this other element of visions and we did have flashbacks so it was how do we integrate all these things without confusing the audience making it seamless making it feel like the when we do flashback that we're getting something that is um relevant to to lose you know to be away from your star you know uh, at the moment and it's always tricky when you do that so i think we landed in the right place there are things obviously that fell on the cutting room floor which uh, we won't talk about but <laughs> um we but, can if you want. <laughs> but, but, but but certainly <laughs> certainly um i think we found the right pieces um for our puzzle and yeah and, and again it's our puzzle it's our version of uh, of the story uh, that we we thought we can tell without without taking on too much or biting biting off too much. Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, just just in terms of, I mean, one of the things I really liked about the film is my my experience of Bob Marley is just is the music, and it's it's a very like glowing kind of outside image. I didn't really like you know when I was younger to re- research who he was too much. This film really goes into the complexities of his relationship. It doesn't just show him as this kind of you know ambassador and pioneer obviously it has that element which is in- incredibly important but it, it goes into the the challenges he faced with his relationships and, and his life which I, which i thought was really fascinating and, and quite a brave decision was that in the original script was that part of your your sort of inputs like how did that sort of element of his character sort of come to be yeah no the, that definitely got um developed and strengthened over the course rita was not quite the character in the early drafts and um and it just felt like a missed opportunity. Uh, I got the opportunity to read her book and having come off of King Richard and realizing that the original drafts, even with that, didn't represent Orisine Price the right way. Mm. And that felt like a missed opportunity. And so I knew that we had this sort of like, you know, this golden ticket here. We had this, because it was part of the story we didn't know about Bob. And that's what makes it interesting when you go to the theater. That's what makes it not a documentary. Um, that's what makes it real. That brings you closer to the man because he 
Rita Marley was the matriarch of, of his yeah. family, especially during that time. Um, and not only that, but she was a band member. So she was in the room when they were making music. She was on tour and she was taking care of the kids. It's like, oh, wait, this yeah. like her story is so complicated and so um, unique. And it feels as much her story as it, as it is his as well, which which is another great thing about the film is like you, you get this rounded experience of it, not just from his perspective. It, it, exactly. And then look, you, you add Lashana Lynch to that equation and you have just this dynamic rich performance um she's able to elevate every scene that she's in um she's able to take my not so great writing and make it better uh she's just able to you know she's able to to lift to lift those moments because she's demanded excellence and her and kingsley together they're they're so dynamic they they jump off the screen um you know hopefully my filmmaking style allows them to breathe allows them to go to places that we are we're fly on the wall let's Let's find it. Let's let's uh, let's elevate this. Let's um, dig, um, and and they, and they bring it. They bring it together. Uh, truly. So how, how did you how did you um, go through that process of, of casting? Were, were they were they the obvious choices from the start? No, nothing was obvious. Nothing was Bob. obvious. Nothing, okay. Not with Bob. Because yeah. it seems it now, but but I mean, I imagine it was quite a difficult sort of casting. Uh, well, challenge. I didn't know Kingsley Benadir. Um, I didn't know him at all, um, and so you know, I'd looked at. Yeah, I want to say thousands of tapes for over a year. And quite quite honestly, I think we were running to the end of the road because I think the rights were coming to the end. And uh, and I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure I was going to find uh, my Bob. I hadn't found my Bob for sure. And I thought, well, I guess I can't make the movie. I can't destroy this film by not, you know, by just casting anybody. And then sure, lo and behold, you know, Kingsley's tape showed up and uh, it really had me leaning in. He had the it factor. And... You know, it was like, it was so different than everything else I had seen. It was moons above that. And uh, obviously you see how talented he is and, and you see what he can bring. And I saw that. I saw the glimmer of, of hope that it was possible um, because he he didn't try to mimic Bob. It was a real interpretation and it was unique. You know, even where he placed the camera, it was three quarters. He didn't do a flat on. He didn't have three cameras and cut you know he didn't he didn't do any of that he he kept it simple his accent and i'm not a native uh you know patois speaker but it could have fooled me so his baseline was incredible so i thought okay this guy definitely has what it takes to 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 get there now i need to meet him and see what he's all about uh, and from that moment, yeah, that's that was the start, and yeah, and then he went on a on a complete transformation. What was that initial conversation when you when you met? It was more about feeling him. I I don't remember exactly what was said. Um, clearly, he was interested because he had given the tape. Yeah, I think it was just me being in his presence and seeing if I felt the same thing I felt when I was on the tape. And Kingsley's quite quite a, you know, he's quite big, and so when I met him. There's yeah, there's a there's a gravitas to him. There's a there's a, a poise. There's a a confidence. Um, there's a lion in there, and so I I felt all of that. I felt all of that, and and I knew I had someone that was going to challenge me and challenge the film. You can sense that from his intelligence. He's just he's not somebody you put in a box. He's not somebody that's gonna he's not going to take the status quo and and when you're, I don't know, call it a football player, you want your players to have that 
ability to audible at the line, I guess, if things aren't right. You know, you're looking for players that are dynamic, that aren't going to stay between the X's and the O's, that they're going to they're going to improvise. They're going to elevate. And he just had the ability. And you're looking for somebody that's that's that has that kind of essence. And he had all those elements. And again, you know, for, for, for me, obviously, we had to I had to see him as Bob and, you know, the prosthetics and the hair and makeup. And I knew I could support him. And then obviously the singing and the dancing, all of that was secondary to me. I needed a great actor. And I knew that from King Richard, we, we, we didn't need tennis players. I was never going to find Venus and Serena. I needed to find great tennis players. I needed to find a great actor that could play a musician because it's not just about fingering and plucking and dancing. It's about the person, the humanity, who Bob was. And the other stuff, yeah, of course, it's 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 it is important and and you you need to believe that. And a great actor was going to be able to do that. I mean, he he I think he was letting his fingers bleed, learning how to play the guitar. I mean, he really went in. So kudos to him. I mean, unbelievable performance. I'm so proud of him. I can't wait to see what he does next, but un- unbelievable performance. Yeah, I think I think that's a really fascinating point that you sort of touched on about finding the essence of a, of a you know, character or, or a story rather than the, you know, copying the mannerisms. Because, you know, a lot of my favorite biopics, some of the things aren't exactly how they were, but the the, the person has interpreted what they stood for. Uh, and that that to me is like what you need to hook into because because it, really it's about it's about feeling what the the person has been trying to achieve and, and that has to be done on an emotional level. Absolutely. And I think it, it comes from the storytelling and supporting the story uh, with what it needs. And, and I think that's that's part of the, you know, the magic of making movies is, is trying to allow your actors to disappear into the roles. Never too big for what the film is uh, just right. Um, you know, you, you, you want you want the film to be great. The performances are great in a great film. That's what that's ultimately yes, what you're, you're trying to trying to achieve um and that's the mark of, of of great filmmaking is when those things all align it's not just that one thing it's the cinematography it's the production design it's the costume design it's the score it's the soundtrack it's the performances it's the direction it's all of those things that should feel seamless when you're watching a movie and you just love it you don't know what and, and if obviously yeah. look there is lebron james and and there's no doubt that that you know, or Michael Jordan, you know, Kingsley's our Michael Jordan. Um, but you know, Michael Jordan needed Scottie Pippen. He yeah. needed, he needed <laughs> yeah. Dennis Rodman. Uh, you know, they needed the coaches, they needed the staff and ultimately, hopefully he felt supported. We needed Jamaica. Mm. We needed the spirituality of Bob. We needed the family. Um, we had those things, not just myself. We were all supported. Um, it was, it was a tremendous collaborative effort in, in bringing this film together. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com.
After you'd got just, just jumping between the the script and the casting and the sort of the making of the film, at what point did the studio Paramount get involved? Um, and was it like a, a simple process from okay, I'd like to make this to it being green lit and you know given the options to who you need to cast? Or what, what was the, the the struggles in that period? Yeah, the struggles for me. I mean, so Paramount had already had the rights with the family even during my first call. So uh, Paramount obviously was involved in, in hiring me as the director, but the movie was not greenlit. It was greenlit verbally. This movie's happening, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I certainly wasn't getting paid, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the, the first step was really the development of the script. And so I did, you know, and that, and that I, I, I basically, I think their timeline was a lot shorter than my timeline. Mm. And, part of my initial pushback was I'm not making this movie when you guys are saying we're going to make this movie because it's unrealistic. There's too much work that needs to go into this right now. And so maybe I had a little bit of leverage at that moment in my career coming yeah, off of yeah. King Richard that I <laughs> yeah. could I could get that extra six months to make sure that we at least got the skeleton to a place that was that was, you know, uh, that I felt was good. And and we did. We utilized that time. So, thank you know, we pushed back on the studio and, and they accepted it in the best way. Um, but yeah, they stayed on us for the script and checking in every month. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And until we found something that we, we felt comfortable, um, sharing. And at that point, again, there was no money, but then there was notes. Yes. That's where the note process starts. Okay, and yeah. they had notes and you know, they were, they were good notes. I mean, it's a studio, right? They it's, you have to take notes from where they come from. You don't agree with all of them, but you, you make it work for the story. You make yeah. it work for the story. And so, yeah, probably for the next six months was implementing those series of notes that came in. Yeah, sure. So yeah, it was a better half of a year that we spent on that. And in the same process, we were starting to cast. And so, but I couldn't move on any of the cast, including Lashana, until we had Bob. Yeah, Until sure. I found Kingsley, there was no cast. And so once we had Kingsley, then the script became even more real. And the project became even more real. But yeah, as studios are, it's like a Titanic. You're not, you can't just, it's not a speedboat that you can turn around. But it, but it's also, it, I like the fact that you you did push back and I like the fact that they were, were open to that because, you know, sometimes stuff is shoved through and they're like, well, we're shooting at this point and it's not ready. And, and you know, whether it's, you know, the, the wrong cast or there's structural errors with the story, it's actually going to impact the film down the line anyway. So it, it's it's nice to be able to, you know, navigate those kind of waters and, and find a middle ground where they know they're in, you know, safe hands of someone that's thinking this through and you know that you're not sort of being, you know, pushed into something yeah. before it's ready. You know, for us, there there are there are certain realities that you can't move right like the super bowl is when the super bowl is yeah, sure. like and there are certain things you can't move and then there are other things that are arbitrary mm. and you have to know which ones are which starting here why like there has to be a really good reason for starting here um we want the best version if it if if, it, if a better movie means moving it two weeks or two months 
let's look at the reasons to doing that. Obviously, there are certain things that are cost prohibitive and you, you have to play within certain boundaries. Like I'm not, you know, I'm a player as well, right? Like yeah, we yeah. have to be realistic, but then there are certain things that it's actually going to cost you more. It's going to save you money by us making a better movie. So that's yes. always my pitch. Yeah, great. And it does. You know, when you, when you have a, a good enough, strong enough pitch, then I think the studio does understand that. Um, so I think it's just, it comes down to leadership, controlling the ball, mm. making them see why it's a value so that it's not us versus them. They're making our movie and yeah. they're in support of that. And I've always felt like Paramount supported this film from the day mm. one. We were making a foreign language film with no subtitles. I mean, that's a daring thing for a studio to take on. I don't know if they knew quite that they were getting <laughs> themselves into that, but but they certainly knew enough. Sure. They knew enough to stay quiet until unless it was a problem and we never let it get into problem problem territory i think we 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 towed the line for a little while because it's 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 not so easy um but i think we i knew that we could we can dial it in in a place that um that felt like we could make it universal and people people would lean into the authenticity of, of how we created the language in the film. So um, just talking about like how, you know, the language, let's talk about the visual language, the art department, uh, the costume, makeup, all those kind of departments. How, how was that for, was there a lot of studio uh, sort of input? Okay, well, we've got these kind of people that work for this budget. Did you have a mix of your own sort of previous heads of departments? Yeah, so for me, you know, fortunately I was coming off of King Richard and and so I think good, good people. It, I had good people. I had great people. And I think the studio knew that they were hiring the director of King Richard. So if you want King Richard level, you've got to give me King Richard level talent. And that started with the Robert Ellswick, who was my DP on King Richard, uh, arguably one of the greatest cinematographers to ever do it. Also just one of my best friends. So it's great. We live around the corner from each other. I see him all the time. We looked after his little baby. He's, he's, uh, but he's just amazing. He's an amazing filmmaker. And so Robert was my number one choice. Thankfully he was available and, and could do the film. And so, you know, they agreed to, to Robert coming on and helping me do that. And, and, you know, what I love about Robert is that we, we rarely talk lenses or, you know, or any of that stuff. It's all about story, 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 script, 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 script. So it, our, our, our foundation for the visuals are always about what the movie is and, you know, the way we block scenes, it's about the actors will help, you know, when I'm blocking a scene, it's not forcing an actor to sit into a certain area. We'll light once we've blocked the scene. So it's, it's a very organic way of filming. There's not a lot of marks on the floor. We don't, I, I don't really do that. Sometimes you have to put a mark, but we really try not to. That's not the space that we like to work in. Um, and the movie kind of, you know, the, space tells you what what the scene needs a little bit and so yes robert was number one but i brought on a lot of my returning uh folks carla farmer who was also who had done hair for for king richard pamela martin who was my editor on king richard chris bowers who was my composer on king richard so yep. yeah i was like you're gonna get some craftsmanship um we definitely went uh with a, a new production designer because obviously period london was very different so i think uh it was a value to have somebody that was here that understood what those spaces were and and um 
um, Chris Lowe did a phenomenal job, uh, did a phenomenal job on, on, on this film. He had come from the bond world. Uh, it was a big time art director for many, many years. And I was looking for somebody that needed a stretch role, um, put him in something that he hadn't quite done before. Mm. And, and I think that's exciting. And he loved Bob and he gave me a great pitch, a great visual presentation. And I felt very comfortable with him. And I also knew we had a lot of builds in this film. So I think his art director background, I think was very helpful for us and also somebody that can bring an edge of design. So uh, uh, Chris was a new addition to that team. And then obviously our our, our costume design, Anna Shepard, who, who had been nominated and won Schindler's List and, and lots of other great films. So um, um, amazing uh, wealth of wealth of knowledge. So do you, do you tend to work visually in terms of how you put together these kind of heads of departments, early meetings? I mean, I, I imagine it starts with the script, but then after that, like, how do you tend to work? Yeah. So you know, we, yes, I, I pull for every, every film. I always have my own sort of mood board, but I'm not a designer. So I'll like just dump a bunch of photos into a Google, Google drive. drive. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> Can't get wrong with Google but drive. I think if you click it, you, you get a palette, you get an understanding. Um, every single department head I sat down with city of God was the first thing that came out of my mouth. Um, oh, I love that. I love that. So everybody was on board with, you say City of God, it, 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 it says something else. It says, it says raw, it says gritty, it says real. So I think there was just a tent pole. This is, this is what we're trying to achieve cinematically. And so I think the conversation, how I talk about the film, how I talk about the type of movie that I want to make is through conversation. And um, I spent a lot of time even in the interview process with my crew talking about that, um, seeing if we're aligned with that, um, making sure that, um, that they see the kind of film that I'm trying. And they, they're also an extension of my eyes. They help me see things that I don't see. So I'm, I'm not looking for yes, men and women. I'm looking for people that are going to challenge me. Um, I think that makes us all better. And that, that goes in front of and behind the camera. So for, for post-production on this, how, how did that go? I mean, had you shot everything that you needed? Was there anything that came out in the edit where you thought, okay, well, a few pickup days or, or, or so on would actually improve the, you know, this idea that we've just sort of had, uh, what was the sort of overall involvement in that process? Yeah, well, look, you know, in the production, uh, we obviously had to, we had some budgetary constraints. And so there were just certain things that I knew we didn't get in particular crowd shots. We just, we had so much concert, uh, so many concerts to shoot that we couldn't, uh, we couldn't, you know, get everything that we needed on the days that we had them because, you know, it was all about the story, what was happening. We have a lot of storytelling happening in these concerts. We have, we've got visions. We've got them coming off and off and on the stage. We've got backstage. And these are also your concert days. So in the script, it just reads, you know, one love piece. It's, it doesn't look like that much, but there's so much that goes into capturing that. And obviously dressing crowds, the mm. Exodus tour montage is several days of shooting concerts and shooting transitions and shooting lighting setups. So I knew that there was more work to be done there, whether it was cutaways or finding the emotion there. So, you know, I just thought if we if we built enough, then the studio might might give me a little money to go get the rest. So you sort of, it, you know, the approach is, OK, well, I've, I've proved myself with the film. Here's some really good stuff. 
but let's make it the best we can. And then, you know, then, yes. you, then you justify the pickups at that yes. stage. And look, every studio builds in a contingency for a reason. You know, I used to think as a young filmmaker that doing a reshoot or an additional photography was like taboo. And now it's like, please, mm. um, it's almost necessary. Um, so much of the edit reveals itself and you realize you can be so precise about what you need to pick up. We knew like when you cut a week out of the schedule before shooting, it's inevitable that you're going to need time to pick that back up now you may not need all of it uh but certainly need certain pieces so yeah there were there were close to five days that were cut out before we started shooting and that's exactly what we got back and 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 so we got it we got it we got what we got what we needed and it was great to have the studio support and we can be very and it was great because we were more precise we're more precise because we had the cut we had the picture Mm. and we can rewrite to exactly what we needed versus you know, um, you know, versus what we had in the early iterations of the script. And it also seems like a really reasonable approach as well, because, you know, I think a lot of people, they're like, well, the studio can give me as much money as I want. And, you know, they're, they're trying to be careful. They're trying to make sure that the relationship is going well as well. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a nice sort of way that you've gone backwards and forwards and they've given you trust and then you've shown some, some good stuff. Absolutely. And- it's about building trust. And look, I, Paramount was so great. And, and and helping us achieve this movie it's it's a complicated film you're shooting in shooting in Jamaica the, you know the infrastructure is not is is not like that of London or the states uh, they do have a great film you know uh, community but it's mm. it's it's you have to fly a lot of things in it's it's not quite what it is in, in in those places so you're you're dealing with elements you're dealing with weather you're dealing with challenges you're dealing with crowds and people and we're shooting on the streets of trench town so yeah there, there are elements to the filmmaking process which could be very complicated and, and and paramount was nothing short of amazing and in, in supporting us there and never felt we never felt unsafe we never felt like we didn't have the resources we needed to achieve um but yeah you know it's, some, it's a studio it's like mom and dad like yeah. you can get yeah i'll give you 20 <laughs> bucks for this but five, you know 50 yeah. cents for this or yeah. whatever it is you're always you, like, if you do your homework you can have the other 20. Yeah, yeah you always you always want more who doesn't want more yeah sure. you know every kid wants more you know you you, you have to beg pout you know or do whatever you need to to get the money and and i'm sure i'm sure i did many times but uh i'm very grateful that they 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 let me have what we needed so so how, how do you get to how do you get to like the you obviously you, you're you're making a great movie you're, you've got a studio on board you've got great stars how do you how did you start and, and get to this stage like what i mean you obviously you started in short films and I, and I saw you sort of worked into tv and then you did the biopic was it yeah so i've done this is my fourth feature and i've done three television shows um so far and i started we own yeah, the city as well yeah we own the city uh was the last series i i, I did with john bernthal who's amazing so yeah i mean look i i went to nyu tisch graduate film school uh, i'd left my left my day job at AIG, the insurance company. Um, and I was pursuing, uh, was that, was that, I mean, the, did that just happen out of the blue? Like I'm, I'm, I'm done. I want to make films. <laughs> no, well, it was actually my second career. So I first, you know, first started as an elementary school teacher and did that for a couple of years, then went to okay. wall street. And I have a brother, Rashad Ernesto green. That's a filmmaker. And so I was seeing him kind of fulfill his dreams. He was traveling the world on his art. And I just thought it was amazing. I had no interest in making films. I just had a brother that was doing it. And he started to invite me as like a, as his brother to help out on his film school sets, like as a glorified PA, wrangling cables, ordering lunch for people. And so I was introduced to film through, through my, my brother. And, um, you know, I, I just thought, 
you know, it was, it was so cool to see him finally do that and, and, and live out, live out some, and he was telling our own family stories. So I thought, Oh, people care about that. That's cool. And so fast forward, I'm on wall street. I'm, I don't know, 26, 27 years old and thinking like, what got me here? I don't, I'm not sure. I was, I don't know, call it a quarter life crisis and thinking, I don't know. I don't, if I die, I read this book, it was, it was seven, uh, seven habits of highly effective people. And I think one of the chapters starts where you're like looking at your coffin and I was like, Whoa, if I, if I died today, would I like, would I, would I be happy? And I think the answer was no. And I was like, Ooh, like I can't get caught out. Like I was, not that I was morbid, but I was just thinking like, I can't die like this. I can't die here on wall street, staring at Excel spreadsheets. I got to do something else with my life. And, um, and so, yeah, that's when I decided to apply to film school and I wanted to be a writer producer and help my brother make his films. That was the, that was the, the first, uh, and so I applied, I applied to NYU. I got waitlisted. I wasn't even, I wasn't even, uh, it, you know, somehow I, I, I got in, I was the last kid accepted into my, my program. And, um, and then I started writing directing because it's a writing directing program. And that, and that changed the course of my life forever. Um, those short films, the one that I mentioned, stone cars went to Cannes and Telluride. Uh, okay. So you had, you had the sort of festival success story that got you launched basically it got me launched it got me launched I, I was making you know making shorts for no money and and yeah i mean i was paying fifty thousand dollars a year to go to film school or or more but uh but i certainly was making the shorts with nothing and and those shorts got out there they got out there in a big way afforded me the opportunity to make my first film monsters and men and once that happened yeah the career took off in a, in a different way and i un, you know an unusual i didn't i didn't realize how fast it was going to go straight from there i went right into top boy here in the uk yeah. uh unbelievable opportunity working for Netflix and, and, and kicking off a series with Drake and, and all of that stuff. So was that difficult going from film to TV and into the UK at the same time? What was cool about it is that they were looking for a film director. Um, so, and it was also the start. So I felt like I was making a mini film in some ways. I got to cast. I found Michael Ward, who's in this film. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was cool. I, I, I it, was, it, it wasn't as, yeah, everything's difficult, but uh, no, it felt seamless. It felt seamless. Um, I felt like they wanted a film director to put a vision to a, a series. And so all of my work, even in TV, I've, I've been able to sort of have some con some control, have some creative control um, or creative influence, if you will, in starting series or, or being a part of that. And so, yeah, just kind of it's like a little bit of a rocket ship when it yeah. from the first once, film. Once you really got committed into it. Uh, okay, just, just the last bit of advice, if you could go back to maybe yourself struggling at one point, you're not sure if you're going to make it or you're waiting for that big break. What would you give your, you know, yourself or a young filmmaker advice wise? Well, I think obviously it's, it's a, you have to have a really deep trust in yourself and you're going to hear no a lot. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people that tell you not to do it or, you know, try something else. And you really have to stick to your guns and, and, and trust yourself, trust yourself a lot. Um, because I think there's just like a lot of people get paralyzed by how difficult it is. Uh, writing's really hard. And I think it's okay to know that it's hard and force yourself to, to do something every day to move your project forward. And, if you can't write for five hours, don't write for five hours, write for five minutes. But do something every day. Just do something every day towards your project. You have to move it forward. You have to continue to push. And, and if you love it, then, you know, it won't feel like work. It'll feel like something that you're, you know, that you were destined to do. Amazing. Thank you, Ronaldo. That's a real pleasure and best of luck with the film. Thank Bob you. Marley, One Love. It's Thank amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Pleasure. 
there we have it. That was great. That was Dom chat with Ronaldo Marcus Green. Wow. Yeah, that, I mean, that was a really, really good chat. I mean, I think it's it, it's always it's always great just to see how how you approach a big movie, uh, especially when there's like a huge amount of pressure with with a real life you know persona like Bob Marley and um, mm. you know how, how he put this together how he he took it sort of stride by stride you know working with the casting the big set pieces I mean all, all of the nuances of what to show in his life I, I think it was uh, I think it was very very well handled yeah and Kingsley seems like an absolutely fantastic lead yes as well I know he's way taller than Bob Marley was but I don't think that shows I don't think it matters certainly in the trailer I've seen um, it's not made any difference at all and I think when you go about casting people it's what is right what feels right yes I imagine biofics are really difficult when you've got to match someone or their persona and how they're coming across but here I think Kingsley is brilliantly well cast yes and I, I think that was one of the things that, that we we sort of went through was you know what what level of like are we making a documentary are, are you going to approach and, mm. and and actually like are you just representing what they stood for and then you know, sort of working within that energy. And I think that's always like a really important, you know, signpost in terms of like how to approach, you know, whether you're just copying the movements of someone or whether you're trying to embody what they stood for. And then I think, uh, I think this one's good because it, it sort of does the latter. Yeah, and and you know it was it was nice to hear about you know obviously he had, he had a lot of success with with King Richard and then bringing mm. HODs from that onto onto other projects and you know I think that's a it's a really good point if you've got people that you like working with and you've got a shorthand that's really valuable and it saves a lot of time on set as well. Totally agree. And even if that's going from short to feature, people sometimes get a bit wary or scared of going. Oh well, can they handle it? on a feature film well yeah there's always that question but at the end of the day if you get on with someone really well and you have a shorthand and you feel that connection on a short film whatever department it is doesn't have to be a DOP it could be anything any crew member then bring them along for the ride bring them along because that is more important than so many other things is that connection and understanding of each other. And you'll get each other through it. You'll get each other through those hard times and you'll be able to talk to each other when you're not happy about something or you are happy about something, which you might not do if it's someone new because you might be scared of their experience or how many films they've shot before, but if they're not doing it how you want it to be, then you're doing it wrong, you're right? So you might as well bring in the people that you want to. And I certainly did that with The Dare, bringing in Andrew Roger. He'd obviously made features before, but we'd only made shorts together. So I, I found that, you know, really important for me. And you knew you had a beard, beard you could trust? Absolutely, because he does have a lovely beard. So there we go. <laughs> so there we go. Speaking of which, his movie, um, No Way Up, is out in America now. So if you are in America, do go watch his shark movie. We call it a shark movie, but it's an aeroplane crashing into the sea and then gets attacked by sharks. It's ace. It's really fun. It's what it sounds like, but better. Cool. All right. Well, I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. Thanks for those who popped down to the Ritzy last night in Brixton. Very lovely to see you all. To For Matt and Tori Butler, heart dagger. Dom, it was great to see you there as well. Yes, I was there. Do go on IMDb and give it a lovely rating if you did. Support indie film. Support each other. And uh, my documentary, All Town Aren't We, that I produced, Jack Spring directed, is out on DVD now. So if you've got a DVD player still, you can get that from Mariners TV. 
cinemaradio.com. It will be more news on that coming soon, but we just had our cinema run, which went very well. So more news coming soon. So we will see you Tuesday when we have... True Detective. Yes. Isa Lopez, Dom, chatting all about how she made that, wrote it, directed it, legend. So if you're lucky enough uh, to make a film, if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty to... Send the Whalevator down, back down. <laughs> Whalevator? <laughs> Whalers. Yeah, wow. there we go. Yeah, yeah we'll go with that. Yeah, we'll go well with done. that. Okay, there we go. Yeah, well done. Until next Tuesday, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Could you be loved? No, dumb, no cry. No, one love. No, one love. One, one heart. heart. Let's get together and feel alright. Alright. Let's get together and make lots of films. <laughs> oh, that's cringeworthy. That's enough. Don't, don't yeah, put that. Don't put that last it. one in. <laughs> no, definitely. Oh. <laughs> Stop recording. Okay. Yeah. That was a, that was a cring, cringy end. <laughs>